Welcome to Peer to Peer the Podcast, brought to you by Rainer. This episode of Peer to Peer the Podcast is one of four limited edition episodes dedicated to Omidria, which will be of particular interest to our listeners in the United States. Tune in as top surgeons have great conversations with their peers about the impact of using Omidria on patient outcomes and their experiences introducing it to their clinics. In this final peer-to-peer podcast focusing on Omidria, I'd like to share with you a previously recorded conversation with Dr. William Wiley of the Cleveland Eye Clinic. During our conversation, we discussed a variety of aspects of implementing Omidria into clinical practice. And here, we start with my first experiences with Omidria in residency. Arjun, tell us about your experience with uh, implementing uh, Omidria in residency. So the first time I actually ever heard about Omidria was when I was going through residency at the University of Cincinnati. And I just remembered Bob Osher constantly talking about it, how much he really enjoyed it, how much he believed in it, and saw the benefits of it. And actually towards the very end of my residency training during my chief year of ophthalmology, we got Omidria approved at our Cincinnati VA. And what was really interesting was we implemented Omidria halfway through sort of my biggest surgical year in residency. And my surgical skills didn't magically improve overnight. It's not like I became a master surgeon or I had some breakthrough moment in my sleep. But the moment we started to implement Omidria, I noticed some very big dramatic changes immediately. The first was that the veteran population, a lot of those patients are on Flomax, a lot of them have floppy iris syndrome. We were tossing in Malugan rings like they were candy. Left and right, almost every other patient got a Malugan ring just because these were pupils that just were not uh, dilating well enough for, especially as a resident, to maybe safely or efficiently perform a cataract surgery. And once we implemented Omidria halfway through my chief year, I put in maybe one or two rings for the next 100 cases or so. The thing I noticed was on post-operative day one, I would look at these patients, I would look at their eyes at the slit lamp, and they had less cell, the visual acuity was better, they were in less pain, and just overall it seemed the patient experience throughout the surgery was better as well. And so it was one thing to hear Bob Osher talk about it, but then to see the dramatic change uh, in the effect intraoperatively in surgery and then afterwards as well was quite striking. I had um, a little bit different experience. I'll be honest that when Amidria first came out, uh, we were resistant to implementing it. I thought, you know what, I'm pretty good at what I do. Do I really need to add a new product, you know, a new price point, you know, a new uh, you know, billing experience uh, to our team? And so we thought, you know what, we probably don't need this product, uh, quite frankly. And uh, what forced our hand was when there was national drug uh, shortages for epinephrine and uh, dilation you know, intraoperatively. We were using sugarcane and then it became difficult or challenging to get that product. And we said, okay, well now this will be a good reason to try Omidria. And, and what's interesting is almost immediately I saw our cases become easier. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, you know, things like Malusian ring uh, usage dropped dramatically. We were probably using one or two a day and then now it could go months before I might pull out a Malusian ring. Um, little subtle things like that I didn't realize, you know, how much easier uh, Midria is making my cases. There's so many t- times where you know, people may start out large. And you're like, okay, I don't think I need a Malusian ring. And then midway through the case, the pupil drops down to say without a Midria, and you're now in a, a, a difficult situation. You're trying to put the ring in later. Uh, you might snag it on the anterior axis. Now you're put, you're, you're put in a challenging uh, position. With Omidria in the bottle, you get that constant infusion of dilation throughout the case, making that surgical experience easier for the surgeon. Other things, you know, in our center, we're really attuned to patient experience. Uh, we've, you know, tried to design better anesthesia medications for patients to, to, you know, more or less, you know, be more comfortable throughout the surgery. 
And what we notice is having Amidria, that inset in the bottle, makes for a better experience for the patient, uh, you know, comfort-wise. We can use a little bit less uh, anesthesia. Uh, things like uh, opioid anesthesia, we used to use a lot of fentanyl for pain control during cases. And as we know, you know, fentanyl is sort of you know, a taboo product right now with the opioid crisis and things like that. Better to kind of eliminate or reduce the usage of that in an ASC setting. And we've seen that with Omidra, we more or less have eliminated uh, fentanyl within our uh, ASC. We just don't even have to use it. So things like that, you know, I hadn't anticipated how much better it was going to help a surgeon experience, patient experience, staff experience. So everything improved uh, by implementing Omidra. Bill, I actually even take it one step yeah. further. So we, use, we utilize Omidra not only just in the bag, but when I operate, I like to give it intracamerally before the infusion even goes in. And so I take a little bit off the bag, and it's really interesting. In residency, we use sugar cane, we use dilute lidocaine with epinephrine, and some people say, you know, that's adequate enough dilation. I've noticed, and I'm sure other Omidra users have as well, sometimes you'll put that in. So I actually always start, I put in some sugar cane or lidocaine with epi, I'll let that sit, and then I'll put Omidra in after that. And sometimes I'll see just a little bit extra pupillary dilation. And also for those tough patients who are maybe a little sensitive, maybe a little skittish, yeah. I just feel like putting that in before we even proceed with the rest of the surgery gives them that degree of comfort right off the bat. Obviously, pupillary yeah. dilation is so important. It's really interesting. You look at European studies, even some domestic studies that have been done that look at what are the top risk factors for a surgeon breaking bad, breaking yeah. bag, right? That's the complication right. no anterior segment surgeon wants to have or cataract surgeon wants to have. Right. Well, unanimously across the board, traumatic cataract, weak sonules, pre-existing pathology, pseudo-X, right. white cataract, intumescent. But all of that I kind of categorize under one category. But then the next thing is almost always, besides surgeon and experience, small pupil. That's right. And so master surgeons such as yourself, other very skilled, experienced cataract surgeons, obviously we can do cataract surgery under small pupil, but is it worth the risk when it's doing something as simple as putting in some midria, you have that patient comfort, you're not putting a ring or iris expansion device, iris hooks, and you still get that great and stable pupillary effect for the rest of the case. Totally agree. Um, other things that come to mind is the NSAID, you know, inside the eye, intraocular NSAID, it's the only approved uh, intraocular NSAID on the market. And so it can have the immediate, you know, uh, comfort effect for the patient during the surgery. But what we've also seen is sort of the reduce or reduction of uh, CME after, you know, after surgery. In my experience, we've seen less CME when Amidria is used. What's uh, interesting, there was a, there was a gap, uh, a, a period where the reimbursement for Amidria uh, was going through some changes, uh, so we didn't have access to it for a while. And so when we look back and saw during that gap period, what was the CME incidence? Uh, in our experience, we actually saw a little bit of a spike in CME when we dropped uh, Amidria from our standard protocol. So having that inset in the bottle during the case not only has the immediate effect, but it has some kind of lasting effect uh, that we believe to help you know decrease that CME. And we try to simplify our drop protocol after cataract surgery. We're using just a one-drop regimen, and it's a triple uh, combination drop that has an NSAID, antibiotic, and steroid. Uh, and so, you know, to get away with just one drop a day for 30 days, you want to use as much, you know, uh, um, intraocular, you know, during surgery help that you can to kind of reduce the need for drops later. So I think that a mi uh, midra in the bottle decreases the inflammation, like you said, starts the eye off on the right course so that all you are really required afterwards is maybe a one drop a day regimen. 
I really like yeah. what you said about the lasting effect because yeah. I think most surgeons think about omidria or sugarcane or lidocaine right. or epinephrine about what's happening during the surgery. Yes. We touched on CME, which is something we usually see after surgery, but the effect of using iris hooks or a pupil expansion device like a malugan ring uh, can sometimes be permanent and long-lasting for the rest of the patient's life. Most of the time, using those devices does not lead to any transillumination right. defects or iris pigment shedding or anything like that, but that's not 100% of the time. And even the best surgeons in the world, right. there's some IRIDs where you just with a little bit of manipulation, there's going to be long-lasting effects. So if most of the time omidria can prevent the need for one of those expansion devices, I think that's another not only cosmetic but functional long-lasting benefit we can afford patients. Yeah, totally agree on the cosmetic you know, point of view. You know, even the patient might not see it, but every doctor going forward, when they look at that eye, they're gonna scratch their head and think, what happened during surgery? Particularly if you're doing co-management, you want that eye to look pristine uh, day one, week one, or for lifelong. And you, you're, you're, you as a surgeon, you're sort of you know, uh, forever stamped uh, with that, that patient. And every, you know, every, every doctor for the rest of that patient's life is gonna say, oh, who did your cataract surgery? You wanna be proud of what that eye looks like in the future and uh, be known for having these clean, pristine eyes. Not only does it look good, but obviously it has uh, function as well for the patient. You want their outcome to be as best as it can be. Since we recorded that conversation, there have been two papers published supporting omidria as opioid sparing, which you can find reference in the show notes for this episode. Also, just this year, the Consolidated Appropriations Act and its provisions expanded access to non-opioid treatments for pain. Due to this, Omidra has secured separate payment status in the ASC setting through January 1st, 2028. Thank you for joining me on these last four episodes of the Peer-to-Peer -Peer podcast. It's been a pleasure to bring all of you, the listeners, more information on Omidria through conversations with my peers. Really, at the end of the day, the proof is in the post-op. If you've not tried Omidria yet, I encourage you to give it a try and see the difference that it can make for your patients. If you'd like more information about Omidria and perspectives from other experts in the field, check out www.rainer.com slash peer-to-peer hyphen Omidria or omidriahcp.com. For more information about this episode's topic and to read the show notes, visit the peer-to-peer -peer hub at rainer.com forward slash peer-to-peer dash Omidria. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation, please subscribe to our channel to be notified of new episodes. This podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The presenter's views are their own. Rayner does not endorse off-label use. Users must refer to the product labelling and instructions for use for Rayner products in all cases. Not all Rayner products are available in all countries. The full disclaimer can be found in the show notes. Omidria podcasts are for the attention of USA HCPs only. Omidria is distributed by Rayner Surgical Inc. Important safety information. Omidria must be added to irrigating solution prior to use and is contraindicated in patients with known hypersensitivity to any of its ingredients. Systemic exposure of phenylephrine may cause elevations in blood pressure. The most commonly reported ocular adverse reactions at greater than 2% are eye irritation, posterior capsulopacification, increased intraocular pressure and anterior chamber inflammation. Please see the full prescribing information for Omidria at omidriahcp.com forward slash documents forward slash eight forward slash omidria dash prescribing dash information dot pdf. Thank you.